Hi, I'm Bill Arnold. Thank you for listening to this podcast. There are many more podcasts available at MyFaithRadio.com. Your support makes this possible. Thank you. And a warm welcome to the afternoon show. I'm Bill Arnold. I'm looking forward to this. Hey, it's great to be with you. Uh, hey, Adam. <laughs> welcome. I was going to do a little bit more intro before bringing you in, but boy, there you are. <laughs> you said that to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was going to first start by saying, you know, I always appreciate guests because every time a guest says yes to me, I know they have to say no to something else. Because that's the way life is, and it's busy, and you're a busy guy. You're, you lead uh, Liberty Church on the Gold Coast, and you also are the director, the network director for Acts 29 Australia and New Zealand. So you've got a lot on your plate. Yeah. Well, we had such a great conversation last time, Bill, that I think we both got off afterwards and went, let's let's do it again. Oh, absolutely. And so uh, yeah. here we are. Yeah. So thank you for coming back. Before we start, do you want to say anything about my uh, cool accent, or should we just move on? Look, I th- I love your accent uh, and all of your countrymen <laughs> who you. live in the United States of America. You guys have a great accent. Actually, you have a great set of accents. I love- and all the rest of us globally want to say we appreciate it. <laughs> I love that. I love that you say that only because I'm such a fan of your accent. So there you go. All right, let's talk today. <laughs> we're we're in our red word series, so we want to look at the words of Jesus because I love the words of Jesus, and we're going to uh, pick up today in uh, John chapter 11, and one of my favorite chapters. So I'm looking forward to some of the teaching time you're going to bring us. Wonderful. Yeah. Well. John 11, so it's a fantastic chapter for uh, particularly those of those of us who are in seasons of life where we're waiting yes, um, or suffering, and, and really everyone's going to navigate that at some point, some of us longer than others, and, and, and waiting really is a kind of suffering, if you, if you think about it. Waiting is a unique kind of prolonged suffering. I mean, if you've ever, if you've ever seen a groom at a wedding uh, waiting. Uh, for the the bride to arrive, <laughs> Th- those are the most tormenting moments of his life. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because he's standing there just looking out at all these people, and they're all just looking at him, and they're all in fancy clothes, and everyone's smiling and checking their watches and being entertained by the pain of the groom. Uh, <laughs> because what's he going to do? He's just got to smile yeah. and, and wait. Mm-hmm. Um, so waiting's hard. Um, and I don't know, Bill, you might. Be like me, where some of your prayers around patience um, are ironic. Uh, I feel like my prayers around patience are, Lord, help me be patient now. Right. Um, And (laughs) uh, because we don't like to wait. Uh, And there's sometimes we go through, I think, times in our lives where we wait and we keep waiting. And and maybe someone uh, that we were counting on to show up doesn't. Uh, or, or someone drops the ball, or we get let down, or we get forgotten about, or we we are abandoned or betrayed. And honestly, it can be devastating as we're waiting for resolution, right? Yeah. Um, and, go and ahead. What, Sorry. what about when the waiting brings discouragement and you feel a little defeated, like, oh, that's just, I've had enough. And you, just, oh, you feel I, so I think, discouraged. 
I think every one of us can relate to a point in our lives where we've waited for something we were so hopeful would happen and it didn't happen or it hasn't happened yet. Mm -hmm. And we get to a point of maybe a little bit of bitterness and and even even entitlement begins to creep in like, hey, I deserved that. Uh, I've, I've been, I've been going through a lot. How come that didn't happen? And what can happen, Bill, is we can turn that towards God and go, well, where were you God? Yeah. Right? Like, um, and, and for us, the real question as Christians is, okay, what do we do? Not when it's someone else who's, who's late or, or seems to be late, but what do we do when it seems like God is the one who's late? Like, what does Jesus want us to do when? You know, not if, but when we're in a season that feels like God's kind of behind schedule. And John 11 is actually just a beautiful chapter that shows us how Jesus meets us in our low points, uh, in those times of waiting, in those times of extended suffering. Uh, And there's a few things that I, I believe that are gifts he gives to his people. And certainly he gives to Mary and Martha and eventually Lazarus. Uh, in this well-known passage that we can walk through over the next hour. Mm-hmm. Pastor Adam Ramsey is my guest. Adam, let me ask you this uh, before we get into the text. Um, are you currently, personally, in a period of waiting or suffering? You know what? We uh, we really are. Okay. We, the short version. Uh, so we, we've been through some crazy things in our lives, uh, and God has been teaching us uh, contentment, teaching us how to uh, long suffer, how to endure. I've listed some of those things uh, in the first book I wrote, Truth on Fire. And there's a whole chapter about trusting God's goodness through suffering uh, in that book there. But right now, I'd say the last year and a half or maybe a little longer has been one of the toughest seasons of waiting for us. Uh, and the short version has been that my wife, Christina, has been navigating a really uh serious vaccine injury oh boy. and and so she's got um myocarditis pericarditis inflammation on the brain esophagus partially collapsed lungs damaged nerves i mean we could just list a whole bunch of things that her body's just had a terrible reaction to this uh to this vaccine and so and again i was fine but but she was she wasn't and you know no one really knows what to do all the doctors are kind of guessing and so we've been walking that out for the last nearly coming up on two years soon of, you know, praying for healing uh, and at the same time learning to trust God uh, and to live what Wendell Berry says, live the given life, not the planned life. Because uh, we all have an mm. idea in say our that. lives of how we think life should go. Yeah. Adam, uh, but then real life happens. <laughs> we live the given life, not the planned. Okay. And that's something uh, Wendell Berry said. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so that's the season we're in, Bill, and so we're kind of right in it with a whole lot of other people of of waiting, of asking, of trusting, and of learning to press on and stumble forward. Yeah, Adam, what level of despair have you had? Because I'm listening to this story, and I, I I'm feeling despair for your for the Ramsey family. Yeah, I mean, so Christina probably has felt that despair the most acutely. Oh, I bet, um, and navigate navigating that sense i mean she was a cross-country runner uh you know exercise fanatic that was her like her outlet her, yeah that really put joy in her tank and was good for her her mental health was just going for runs and so she hasn't been able to exercise on her doctor's orders for nearly two years now 
And so some of the, the, the loss and just the very real grief that comes with that. And for us, we've been learning together as a couple um, that, yes, our theology is true when the rubber hits the road, that God is good and continues to do good, that God is sovereign and nothing has taken him by surprise. Nothing is outside the scope um, of his authority and his sovereignty in this universe. And so we can rest in that, but that's easy on paper and hard in practice. <laughs> and so when we come to, I think, those moments of, oh, like, how long, oh God? Uh, one of the things I love about the scriptures is the scriptures themselves give us permission to pray that. And we see that all through the Psalms. How long? How long? How long, oh Lord? Uh, when will you make things right? And so we've been learning to bring those laments and those griefs uh, and that sense of of frustration with the brokenness of this world and the brokenness in my wife's body, uh, even as we learn to to keep going, you know, trusting that life is a gift and that no one's promised tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Adam, have you also found places where you've been able to connect with people in ways? Because I know that we always connect with each other at our levels of brokenness. I mean, has this brought a dimension into your um, relationship with others? Oh, absolutely. I I, I think you you get when you have to go through a time of not just a difficult time, but a difficult time that keeps rolling and doesn't have any clear sense of immediate resolution, then you get a new empathy for people with chronic pain, uh, with lifelong disability, uh, with who have been walking through, you know, hardship for, for decades even. And there's a new sense of, okay, wow. First of all, my eyes need to be more open to the people around me because everyone's suffering somehow. Mm-hmm. Everyone's walking through something big or small. We're all, we're all life's hard. And, and when we realize that it gives us that little bit more patience with one another, uh, and a little less entitlement for ourselves to be sure. Yeah. You know, Adam, we're going to talk about John 11. We haven't gotten there yet, which is a-okay with me. We'll eventually get there. But I, I really want you to know that I, I want to ask my entire listening audience and people who tune into Faith Radio and listen to podcasts to pray for Christina and to pray for you and your family and your five kids and her health. Thank that you. It would be hey, we appreciate that truly, so much. truly restored and that this condition would be reversed and that God would uh, bring her the health and vitality and and her her running and all of the activity that brings her joy back to her immediately ASAP. Amen. Yeah, yeah. Amen. I appreciate that. Thank you, Bill. Yeah, I mean, I just feel like we went from acquaintances to friends in about fifteen minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing what we have in the family of God, isn't it? We just uh, we're going to see the fullness of it in eternity, but we get little foretastes in the here and now. Um, I'm jumping on. I'm looking at Bill is, going, is this okay, Bill? I'm my producer is Rosie. She wants to jump in. She's, I just wanted to, because I just feel so moved to be praying. What is your wife's name again? Christina. Christina. Can I just pray right now? Of course. Lord Jesus, we just thank you for Christina. We thank you for um, Adam's ministry. We thank you for how they minister your love to everybody as a family, Lord. And I just stand on Luke ten nineteen, Lord, that there shall be nothing that comes against us that um, will prevail, Lord, that um, this 
however this started, however it worked, that we stand against it in the name of Jesus Christ, and we command in the name of Jesus Christ for Christina's body to return to its normal and beautiful and working perfectly, um, just the way you designed it to be, Lord. Thank you for what they have learned in the process, Lord, and um, thank you for how they have grown in you as they have suffered. And Lord Jesus, we ask for a complete and full healing in your name. Your will is to bind our wounds and heal our diseases. You made our body to respond to all things that it encounters. So Lord, we ask that you just strengthen her and that you restore her body to its normal and beautiful and perfect working order. In your blessed name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. See, Adam, when Rosie wants to pray, I got to get out of her way. Because when she wants to pray, <laughs> she's going to pray. All right, we'll take a break. We'll come back. Uh, Pastor Adam Ramsey is my guest, and we're going to get into the text of John 11. So if you have a Bible out, open to John 11. We'll be right back. The Bible is valuable, and reading and studying the Bible can transform your life. Hi, I'm Angela Smith, host of Reading the Bible Together podcast. Several times a year, we release a new Reading the Bible Together study. We've studied Luke, Daniel, Advent, Lent, and so many more. You can access all of our studies for free by going to the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. In addition to the studies, we also have the accompanying podcast. You can listen wherever you listen to podcasts. You can study on your own, or if your small group or Bible study is looking for what to study next, check out the Reading the Bible Together resource page at myfaithradio.com. My guest... Pastor Adam Ramsey got up this morning, had breakfast, and then he came on my show because he lives in Australia and we're a little bit of a time difference. He leads Liberty Church on the Gold Coast and also serves as the network director for Acts 29, Australia and New Zealand. He is my guest today for our Red Word series, The Words of Jesus, and we are in John chapter 11. And really the topic today is about suffering and waiting, and we're going to learn something about that from John chapter 11. All right, Adam. Wonderful. Well, if we if we give a little recap of where we pick up the story, if we pick up the story in, let's say, verse 21 or so, and at this point in time, uh, uh, earlier in John 11, Jesus has received word that Lazarus uh, was gravely ill, and Jesus loved Lazarus. He loves this family. They're very precious to him. Uh, and we and we know that, you know, okay, Jesus loves him, so we'd think that Jesus would set off immediately and go to heal him because this guy is, you know, deathly sick. But Jesus does the opposite, and he intentionally delays his departure. And by the time he actually arrives, Lazarus has been dead for four days. So that's where we pick up the story in verse twenty-one. It says, "And Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give to you." And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha says to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. So, so what's going on here is 
is Martha is saying, hey, I, I have an eschatology. I have a, a, a theology of the future that I believe in the biblical promise of a future resurrection. And that's what uh, most you know people in Judaism held to that view, uh, although some didn't. Uh, they were known as the Sadducees. And I mean, that's, that's, that's the point, Bill. I could make a, a cheesy dad joke and, and say, can I do it? Can I make a dad <laughs> yeah, joke go on ahead. the show? Go ahead. Okay. All right. Well, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection and that's why they were sad, you see. <laughs> and I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, so, I mean, so many people just groaned, but there yeah. was one or two dads that was fuel for their soul. Yeah. So I welcome, saw that guys. punchline coming from Perth. Yeah. <laughs> And so this is the point where we see Jesus say something absolutely remarkable to her, one of the greatest claims in the history of the world, and it's the claim on which all of Christianity hinges as being either true or false. And Jesus says to Martha, verse 25, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And she said to him, Yes, Lord. I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So the, the first thing that I think Jesus gives to sufferers and to waiters, Bill, is the truth about who he is. Jesus gives us truth about who he is. That's, uh, I mean, when Martha says, Lord, if you'd only been here, we can feel the sadness in her voice, right? Like there's this lament. Mm. I mean, if we try and put ourselves in her shoes for a moment, I mean, think about what it's like when we're waiting. How long must every single hour of those days felt when Jesus didn't turn up? I mean, the anxiety as she lays her head on her pillow one evening and she's listening to Lazarus's condition deteriorate and then no Jesus. And then the sorrow as she buries her brother and no Jesus. And then like this disappointment as she goes to bed that night and the next night and the next night and the next night, by the time Jesus arrives, he's been dead for four days. And 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 there's there's this sense of, but Lord, if you just had been here, I, I wouldn't have gone through everything I've just gone through. And here's what I find so remarkable, Bill, is that Jesus gives absolutely no explanation for his delay. Like none at all. He, he doesn't even address the question of if you had only been here. And, and I think frequently in our own lives, God doesn't answer the why question. For when we're going through suffering, when we're waiting for something to happen in our lives that we're trusting him for. And a lot of us have a, you know, we, we understand the theological explanation for why there's suffering in this world. You know, we understand Genesis 3. We understand that this world uh, is broken by sin and that death is a consequence of that sin. And we, this side of glory, are all going to have to walk through suffering, that we're all going to have to face death inevitably at some point in our own lives. So we all, I think, have a theological explanation. The problem is, is when suffering knocks on our door personally, we demand a logical explanation from God with a question of, but God, why me? Not, not just why is there brokenness, but why me? Why am I going through this? And, and like Jesus here to Martha, God frequently doesn't offer us 
an explanation. Jesus, not once do we see Jesus in the Gospels in a hurry. And here's what he gives to Martha that I think is one of the most beautiful gifts. It's the gift we need, but it's not the gift we often seek. And he gives her a bigger vision of himself. And his answer is, Martha, I am the resurrection. I am the life. Do you Mm. believe this? So I think a little bit of Job in the Old Testament, a righteous man who suffered great affliction. Uh, and we get to the end of the book of Job expecting some answers and, and God doesn't give, God doesn't give him. Instead, what does God give Job? He gives Job a bigger vision of himself. Mm-hmm. And the last two chapters is God saying to Job, were you there when I laid the foundations of the earth? Were you there when I gave the, the, the oceans their limits? Were you there when I made Leviathan? And on and on and on. And Job's response rightly at the end is, I have misspoken. <laughs> you are God and I am not. And and so I'd say the first thing I'd want people to see is that when we're walking through grief and suffering and and the pain that just lingers around that for what seems for too long, it's easy for us to forget what is true about God, his sovereignty, his goodness, his wisdom, his love for you, his nearness, um, and, and and like a blizzard or a fog that can kind of come in. I mean, I lived in Denver, Colorado, and Seattle, Washington for about ten years of my life. And you know, Denver we'd get blizzards. Sometimes Seattle would get these thick fogs. And uh, if you got stuck in the middle of one, it'd be easy to get turned around. And I think hardship is a similar thing. And it's like a fog that can distort our vision and disorient us. And we start to wonder, okay, maybe God isn't sovereign over this one. Or maybe he isn't good. Maybe he just doesn't love me. And and when we're in that place, we need what Martha needed, which is more than just an explanation. We need to see him. I am the resurrection and the life. So that's the first thing. Yeah. And Adam, let me just stop here for a minute. I don't know if it's your beautiful voice and dramatic delivery, but as you're reading this, Jesus says to her, "I, I am the resurrection and the life. I felt Jesus more real in that moment <laughs> as a result of just listening to you. And I'm wondering if, <laughs> if listeners have felt the same way that I felt, because when you, you said that, he's establishing his identity and who he is and responds That's with, right. I am the resurrection and the life. And I, I, I'm not a goosebump guy, but I, I have to say, I came pretty close to getting goosebumps when you said that. <laughs> well, I think when we get to, you know, we are so easily... Our eyes are so easily distracted by all the things that happen around us. We're always thinking about what's coming up next and, mm-hmm. and how to navigate that and how to fix that and how am I going to go through this. And and it can be so easy just to have our vision of Jesus, not even obs- not even you know eclipsed, but even just obscured or diminished uh, by uncertainty and by suffering and by waiting. And then when we get what is true about Jesus put front and center in front of us, and Jesus does that powerfully in this this moment with his claim, I am the resurrection and the life. It's like a sunbeam, right? Just yeah. piercing through the darkness. And it, it reorients our hearts to him. And we go, oh, yes, that's who you are. That's what you're so like. Good. And, and that's, when, that's when theology, good thinking about God, lights our way and, and calms our hearts and, and reminds us of who God is ruling and reigning even over all the storm clouds of the life we have right now. Mm, Amen. All right, let me take a short break. Adam Ramsey is my guest. He is 
the lead at Liberty Church on the Gold Coast and also serves as the network director for Act 29 in Australia and New Zealand. If you've heard anything so far that you would like to make a comment on or maybe even ask Adam a question, you can send it over 877-933-2484. And I promise we'll be right back. It is that midweek time where we do the Red Word uh, series on the words of Jesus. My uh, special guest is Pastor Adam Ramsey. He lives in Australia, and I've got a listener that's moving over there. And this is just a question. She said, can you ask Adam, is it the Gold Coast or just Gold Coast? She was wondering. (laughs) You can go with either one. So if someone (laughs) asked me, Adam, where do you live? I would say... Gold Coast. Uh, but if I was using it in a sentence, I'd say, I live on the Gold Coast and I da 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 da. So either one's fine, and we're excited to have you come here. <laughs> That's awesome. All right. Let's return uh, to John chapter 11 um, and the powerful response that Jesus gives to Martha, establishing himself I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die, and whoever lives, by believing in me, will never die. And then he poses that great question to her, do you believe this? Yeah. And Martha responds, yes, Lord, I do believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world. So Martha has this positive response to Jesus reminding her of who he actually is. Right. So Jesus reorients her gaze away from what she thought needed to happen Mm -hmm. back to him as a way of saying, Trust me. But then, so he gives her the gift of truth about himself, and we all need that. Yes, we but do. But he gives her more than just the truth about himself. This is this is so important. He enters into her pain and Mary's pain, and he gives them the gift of his tears. So he gives them the truth about himself, but he gives them tears. But I mean, not just ordinary tears, but furious tears. And so we pick it up in verse 28. It says, and when she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary, saying in private, the teacher is here and he's calling for you. And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. And when the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Now, now pause there for a second. She says the exact same thing that Martha said. So clearly, this is something that they had been talking about, lamenting together, perhaps frustrated, disappointed in Jesus. They see him finally, and they both have an initial instinct response of, If you'd only been here, Jesus. And when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, 
he was deeply moved in his spirit. And that's worth underlining. And greatly troubled. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Hmm. And so the Jews said, See how he loved him. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man also have kept this man from dying? Now, here's what I want to stop and point out when it comes to the gift of Jesus's tears, Bill. So like Jesus has just got done telling Martha he's going to raise her brother up from the dead. So he knows what he's about to do. He knows they're going to be reunited. He knows their sorrow is going to be turned into rejoicing. So why don't we see Jesus walk up, smile, and just be like, wipe your eyes, friends, watch this, and, and then you know perform a resurrection miracle. But he doesn't. He, instead, we, we see a Jesus who weeps. Um, and I think for a lot of us, we, we might find it easy to give people the gift of truth, but not the gift of tears. Mm-hmm. And Jesus wants us to give both. Yeah. And maybe for other people, it's the other way around. We, we give people the gift of tears, but struggle to give them the gift of truth. But I think the fact that Jesus gives both truth about himself, which is good theology, and his tears, I think that tells us that according to Jesus, wounded people don't need less than good theology, but they do need more. And they need empathy. They need us to enter in to the pain that they're going through. And that means as followers of Jesus, we ought to follow him into the ministry of truth and the ministry of tears. Uh, As the Apostle Paul would later say, rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. So I want to point out the tears here. uh, And this this was so profound to me when I saw this. There's something going on in the heart of Jesus besides just compassion, right? Just a, a movement of sorrow. There's something fierce going on in the tears of Jesus. In verse 33, Jesus, when Jesus saw her weeping, that phrase, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. Deeply moved is, is not the best translation, which is why uh, pretty much every Bible is going to have a little footnote on that word at the bottom of the page, and there'll be another clarifying word. So the ESV will say indignant. Uh, and the CSB will say angry. So he was deeply moved. He was indignant. He was angry. And the actual Greek word literally translates to snort like an angry horse, uh, to roar with rage. So it's mm. the kind of verb you would use for a, like a bellowing animal, an angry, bestial, primal kind of moment. And so this is more than just Jesus being touched with pity. This is, this is holy fury. Like the kind of, you know, as a husband uh, or as a dad, the, the kind of fight to the death anger. If mm-hmm. you see a loved one's life being threatened, where your fists clench and your teeth grit, and there's this this involuntary huff of air that escapes your mouth, this right, and and that's that's what Jesus is feeling in this moment, deeply moved and greatly troubled. And and if we ask the question, what is Jesus angry, indignant, snorting like a horse at, to use that language? Well, it wasn't Mary, and it wasn't Martha, and it wasn't those grieving. 
He's angry at the effects of sin, which is suffering and death. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many times have, have we been to a funeral or heard the news of a, a loved one with cancer and just we walk away going, I hate death or I hate cancer. And there's this anger inside of us that wells up. Um, there's there's something beautiful that B.B. Uh, Warfield in his uh, The Emotional Life of Our Lord uh, one of the best essays on the humanity of Jesus I've ever read, B.B. Uh, Warfield, The Emotional Life of Our Lord. He was the Princeton scholar uh, near the end of the uh, 19th century, early 20th century. He says, the spectacle of the distress of Mary and her companions enraged Jesus because it brought home to his consciousness the evil of death, the un- its unnaturalness, its violent tyranny inextinguishable fury seizes upon him. It is death that is the object of his wrath. And behind death, him who has the power of death and whom he has come into this world to destroy. Tears of sympathy may fill his eyes, but his soul is held by rage. And he advances towards the tomb, in Calvin's words, as a champion who prepares for conflict. You know, that's so important to me, Bill, is it shows me that Jesus isn't unmoved by the pain and the suffering and the sorrow of those he loves. Mm -hmm. And that he's in fact angered by it even more than you and I are. So the next time we're tempted to think, okay, has God overlooked me? I'm, I'm in this season of waiting, this season of suffering. Does God really care? I, I, I want to encourage people, come back to this picture of Jesus, whose eyes are blazing with rage at the suffering of those that he loves. And he's right here in this moment. He's looking through this funeral towards his own funeral mm-hmm. and, and through this about-to-be-resurrection towards his own resurrection. Again, this is the the final miraculous sign in John's gospel. And in this moment, this this battle to the death with death gets locked in. And it's almost as if Jesus in this righteous anger is staring into the grave of Lazarus with rage-stained tears and this immeasurable divine love. And he's saying, death, I'm coming for you and I'm going to kill you. And it's almost like death responds, strike me and I'll bite you back. And Jesus knows it will, and he's ready for it. Just like the the prophecy and the promise back in Genesis 3 of the serpent will strike his heel and he will crush his head. But the bite that death will inflict upon Jesus will be the beginning of death's own death sentence. Maybe I can leave it there and, and answer any questions there. But the point is he gives more than just truth about himself. He gives his tears and enters into the pain of the sufferers adam is this the way you preach every sunday yeah <laughs> i get going man I get, I get a little worked up and you'll get me in preacher mode <laughs> oh my is this powerful so so good you know and i've never heard the snorting nostril thing before the that kind of rage and anger about about the, the death i completely understand it but then i'm also thinking when i'm flooded with anger I don't shift to tears that fast because I, I can't unflood myself from anger. And yet Jesus was able yeah. to apparently do both. Yeah. Yeah. It's a righteous anger. 
And I think we're meant to feel that way when it comes to particularly death. We're meant to feel yeah. this doesn't belong here. This is an unwelcome intruder, and it's what Jesus came to defeat and abolish. It's the consequence of sin, and that's why he went to the cross. Mm-hmm. And Adam, when I look at verse 35, Jesus wept. And I sometimes think, well, there's so much to learn from those two words in that verse. And oh, I, yeah. I always say to myself, am I going to be willing to step into somebody's discomfort? Because certainly that's what Jesus did in that moment. He obviously knew and loved Lazarus, but he stepped into Mary's pain and mourning and just was with yeah. her and, and yeah. mourned with her and wept with her. And I thought, what a great lesson. Am I willing to be comfortable with other people's discomfort? Yeah, that's good. And he did it knowing he was he was going to raise Lazarus I know. from the dead. So, so he knows. He knows exactly what's coming up. He's said it already. And yet he still, he feels the pain that Mary and Martha feel and enters in and weeps. And again... He gives them what's true about himself, but he gives them more than that. He gives them tears and empathy, and he doesn't hurry past what they're walking through in the, at the heart level of who they are. Mm-hmm. And Adam, don't, don't you uh, see that there's a lot of people that will read verse 37, and some of them said, could not uh, he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? I, I hear people all the time that say, well, how could I trust in a God if a God allows kids to get cancer or uh, if a God doesn't, didn't save my marriage or a God didn't do this for me or that for me, how could I trust him? But don't, we hear that all the time, don't we? Absolutely. And I think it's a very natural human response to, I agree. to have a reaction like that. It's a sense of, we feel the injustice of, of sin. We feel the injustice of suffering. We know it's self-inflicted, right? It's our sin. It's our, we broke the world. That's, so we've done this, but there's still this sense of, but why, why God, why me, or why them? And I think the, the, the wonderful, uh, and, and just recently deceased Tim Keller, uh, I remember him saying that God often doesn't give us a why when it comes to our suffering and sorrow and the brokenness of this world. But he does gives he gives us a what, he gives us a who, and he gives us a when, mm-hmm. and he gives us a what, which is that none of this suffering will be will be futile. God will work everything together for good, yeah, for those who are called and who love Him, and so on. You know Romans eight twenty eight promise. So we know it won't be wasted, even as it's hard. The second thing he gives us a who, he gives us Himself, which is like Jesus. He empathizes with our weaknesses with our temptations uh but walk through them perfectly and he gives us i mean i mean it was, it was the uh the danish philosopher um uh, uh no it was the russian uh dostoevsky who said that no other god has scars but jesus does so he knows what it is to suffer mm-hmm. and the third thing is that he gives us a when and and we know that this this world, this life, this window of time we're in right now, this side of glory, there is coming a day where our future will be woven into the future of Jesus himself. And that future is resurrection, which means our suffering has a time stamp attached to it, which is where we can go in that final point when we get to it. Yeah. And Adam, isn't it important that we come to the conclusion in our hearts that we may never know why, but what we need to do is trust today 
and possibly understand at a later date or never at all. Yeah, absolutely. And I believe we will. I think there'll be a moment, not necessarily in this life. No, not in this life. Uh, but certainly in the one to come where we will look back and every – listen, 10 billion years into eternity, hmm. there will not be one person who's standing there as the people of Jesus, the beloved of Jesus, who will look back on the darkest moments of their lives and then look into the eyes of their Savior and go, you know what, Jesus? I think you might have ripped me off. <laughs> That's so I, true. I'm not sure if it was all really worth it in the end. No, we will, every one of us, we will say fully convinced with the Apostle Paul that those former sufferings, we say now, that these present sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the future glory that awaits us. We will say those former sufferings aren't even worth comparing to the present glory that we now inhabit. Yeah, so good. And that day is coming. Yeah, so good. Pastor Adam Ramsey is my guest. We're going to take a break and then come back and continue uh, wrapping up some thoughts on John chapter 11. We're in the words of Jesus. We will be right back. Faith Radio and Afternoons with Bill podcasts are available because of listener support. If you are a supporter... Thank you so much becoming a supporter today by visiting MyFaithRadio.com. Adam, I'm guessing you were playing this song at breakfast this morning. Every day. I thought you so. Know it. I thought so. <laughs> pastor Adam Ramsey is my guest. He's the uh, lead pastor at Liberty Church on the Gold Coast and also serves as the network director for Acts 29 Australia slash New Zealand. So, Adam, I'm looking at Mary and Martha, both of them approaching Jesus with the same statement, had you been here earlier? And yet Jesus uh, treats Martha and Mary quite differently, kind of... Uh, gets in Martha's face, and then is just very compassionate with Mary. Very interesting response to the sisters. Yeah, Jesus gives us what we need. Yeah. And we see in both of these, Jesus gives Martha what she needs, and he gives Mary what she needs. And, And both of them together, I think we see two wonderful gifts that Jesus gives to sufferers and to waiters, which is the gift of truth about himself and reminding us of what ultimate reality actually is and the gift of his tears, furious tears. He is far more angry at suffering than we ever will be. And it's why he came to the cross. Mm-hmm. So I think having those two things together is so important. If when, when we're walking through hardship and suffering and waiting, we need to receive from Jesus the gift of what is true about him, the gift of his own tears, that he is not aloof from our sufferings, but he has been tempted and suffered in every way that we have yet without sin. But there's a third gift in this wonderful passage that Jesus gives to sufferers. And it's the reminder that resurrection's coming. And so if we wrap it up in verse 38, it says, then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, 
by this time there will be an odor for he has been dead four days. I love the King James Version, Bill. Uh, Lord, he stinketh. Um, <laughs> that is my favorite verse yeah. in the King James Bible. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, but Jesus said to her, did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? And so they took away the stone. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. And many of the Jews, therefore, who had come with Mary and had seen what he did, believed in him. But some of them went to the Pharisees and told them what Jesus had done. And that's kind of, Bill, that's where the, the, the story pretty much ends. There's a little bit of a, 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 an ending, uh, a, a, what's the word I'm looking for? An afterword of sorts at the, at the end there. Uh, but it's a little anticlimactic, right? Like Jesus raises him, uh, unwraps him. Some believe, some went and tattletale on Jesus. And, and that's kind of the end of the story. Uh, we're not told about Martha's reaction or Mary's reaction. Uh, we're not even told about Lazarus's reaction. I know. Which uh, I find fascinating. I mean, if, I'm sure Mary and Martha were thrilled. Uh, I'm sure Jesus was smiling. I don't know how Lazarus was feeling. I mean, he'd been dead for four days. So, like, where had he been for four days? Thank you, Adam. Paradise. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so he, everyone everyone else is happy i don't know if i'm lazarus if i'm as stoked as everyone else like i've been in paradise in the presence of the father for four days and uh, i get called back it's like oh come on it was really good yeah um but you know i'm sure there was a beautiful reconciliation there but the point is is that the the narrative finishes with a resurrection and the chapter finishes in 53 saying and so from that day on they, being the Pharisees, made plans to put him to death. And within yeah. a couple of weeks of this moment, Jesus would die. Uh, the one who was life, the one who said, I am the resurrection, I am the life. He himself would be crucified and buried in a tomb. And all of his followers, all of his closest friends, they would all wonder the same things that, that Mary and Martha wondered. Where are you, God? Why did this happen? Why did you let this happen? And, and interestingly, just like Jesus with Martha, uh, God would seem to give them no answer for three days. And yet on the third day, at just the right time, as we know, Jesus would make it unmistakably clear that I am the resurrection and the life. And in that moment, Jesus, he would fulfill his promises. He would validate his identity. Uh, he would he would reverse the curse of sin. He would reveal that the payment of his blood as the Lamb of God for the sins of the world has been accepted and is acceptable and is and is potent for salvation. Amen. Absolutely. But I think that the point I want to draw attention to here is that in the in the resurrection of Lazarus, we get a preview of the resurrection to come. And we're given this reminder that we touched on earlier in our in our study that the resurrection is more than just a past event it's a present person jesus says it's who i am i am 
the resurrection. I am the life. I embody these things. And we could even go more than that. It's not only a past event, although it is. It's it's a present person. It's also a future reality for every one of us who are in Christ Jesus. So this blows my mind, Bill. I mean, consider the fact that the resurrection of Jesus, as remarkable and miraculous as that was, is not a one-off cosmic anomaly, but a precedent, a, a paradigm for every single person who belongs to him by faith. Mm-hmm. That's what's coming in our future, a body, bodily, physical resurrection in our definite future, guaranteed in the present through the down payment of the Spirit of God who lives within us. So to kind of wrap it all together, what do we need in our suffering, uh, in our seasons of waiting? Well, we need a Savior who shines the light of the truth into the fogginess of our feelings. Uh, We need a savior who enters into our pain with his own tears. And we need to know that resurrection's coming. And if the resurrection is true of Jesus, then our definite future in Christ is one of resurrection too. And if that's true, then we don't have to be afraid of anything ever again, including death. Because in the hands of Christ, death is, 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 I love this thought. The, the Puritans used to say that death is the funeral of all of our sorrows. Um, and I like to think of death now as being a subjugated servant. So, so death is no longer a tyrant who I need fear as a believer. Death now is nothing more than a butler who opens the door for me into life forever. So in the hands of Jesus, death can't harm us. Death can only bless us. And that's part of the victory that Jesus has accomplished. Yeah. Adam, just amazing. My uh, booking agent will send over a contract for a hundred uh, time appearance contract to be on the show. So uh, <laughs> I'll count today as one. So we have 99 more appearances to make. Thank you okay. so much. It's been for a being. joy for me. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much and have a wonderful day. You too. Thank you, Bill. You bet. Pastor Adam Ramsey has been my guest. Lead Church, uh, Lead at Liberty Church on the Gold Coast. That's our show for the day. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be praying for you in the wee hours of the morning. Have a great night, and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.